Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. I'm in the book of Judges. I know that's the old book. That's the saddest book in the Bible, in my opinion. It's a sad book. Uh, But I'm in chapter 2. I need to go up to about verse number 6, I think, to get this thing in context here as opposed to just start reading the entire chapter. Let's go to uh, verse number 6. I'll read down through 10. You found Judges 2 and 6. Let me hear you say amen. amen. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. Good. That's what they come to do. Right? And they've done what God said. God gave them the land. He gave them the land. It's God's land to give to whoever he wants to. You Listen. He said in Ezekiel, he said, all souls are mine. God just looking to give you the only thing you own is your soul, and he wants you to give that back to him. He'd give them the land, and they'd taken possession. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord. How'd you like, wouldn't you like that? Don't you hope that's what your name's tagged with? Junior, the servant of the Lord. Isn't that good? Russell, the servant of the Lord. What a tag right there. Died. Well, it's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. He's being 110 years old. Pretty old fella in our, our standards nowadays. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Ares in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gash. Boy, they wanted you to know where he was, didn't they? And also, all the generation were gathered under their fathers. And there rose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he hath done for Israel. Father, I love you. I thank you for the night. Chance to be behind the sacred desk again on your sanctified ground. God, use this preacher one more time. Lord, it can be my last stand. I never know. But I pray you'd use me, fill my mouth, and guard my tongue. Help me be accurate in the scripture. Bless what's done in this place for your glory. Remind us of some things tonight, Lord. Warn us, instruct us. We'll praise you for all you do. They might be a lost soul here tonight that needs to be saved. And God, you could save them even tonight. We'll praise you for every single thing. And ask it in our king's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. Now. I simply want to talk about just just a little while tonight, and I would call this a talk rather than a message, on the next generation. On the next generation. 
We have some we have some young people here tonight, and I'm thankful for that. You're the next generation. So, with this in mind, they've they've come. They've got they've got exactly what God said they could have. They've come. They've taken the promised land. Everything is there, just like He said it would be. And they're living well. And they they forget about the blesser. And all they want is the blessing. And and this is disputed across our nation today. But and and they're trying to Stephen. They're trying to change history. They're rewriting the history books to make them say what they want it to say. Thank God that that I grew up in a time when the history books were accurate. They were historical document. They were documented historically. They were accurate, and you knew what happened. How many people in here believe in George Washington? Never seen him. How do we know that he even existed? History, historical document, and we know that to be accurate because of of, of it being passed on down through the years. They had this. They had now. They had the law of Moses. Granted, a lot of the Old Testament wasn't written as of yet. It would be in the future. They had the law of Moses. Moses had told them, this will bless you and this will curse you. And you can choose whichever one you want, the blessing or the curse. In America, we have been blessed. We have been blessed. Why do you think all the world want to come to where we are? The world wants to live here. You know why? We're blessed. This is not an accident or coincidence or or some happenstance. This was was the plan of God Almighty. You can see God used America to evangelize the world. And now we need missionaries to come to America because they've lost their way. Now, can I give you a little history tonight. I know some of you don't care anything about it, but you math students, just bear with me for a moment. We know that in 1607, the first settlers rolled into the East Coast, settled Jamestown. John Smith comes, sets it up. We've been to Williamsburg, if you've never been, if you like history, I'd recommend you go. You read the plaques on the wall in there, and if you're not careful, you'll be shouting. I was in there. I got to reading that. I started crying. I thought, bless God, that's exactly right. <laughs> Historically accurate. He comes in, and they settle it. And listen, it wasn't, a, it wasn't if you want to come. You know what they had to do for an hour every day? They went and sat on a log bench and listened to the scripture being read. It weren't just on Sundays. They're hearing the word of God every day. You know they kept that in school until I was a boy. And then somewhere along the way, one crazy woman got that put out of school. You know what they found of that crazy woman? They found her head, her hands, and her feet bones, just like Jezebel. Isn't it amazing? And six... 
1620, the Pilgrims land on the Upper East Coast. They have the Mayflower Compact, and, and they come off, and they have a hard time. A lot of them die, about half of them die, but they, they make it through. You know what they were? The majority of them were Puritans. They come to escape religious persecution. Some of their families had lived through the 1500s of Bloody Mary, where if you said you was a Protestant, I read a book, The Bible Makes Us Baptist. If you, that's a good read if, if you could find that book. The Bible makes us Baptist. I can't recall the author. But, but they was walking along and, and, and they asked the woman, said, are you a Protestant? She said, yes, I am. She had a baby in her arm. They grabbed the baby. They threw the baby off in the rivers like in the winter time. The baby disappeared in the, in the deep water. The mama dived in, tried to save her. She drowned. The baby drowned. They all drowned. And the guy turns and he says to those in the, in the earshot, he said, that's what we do to the Protestants. So these people, they knew what persecution was. They were trying to escape that. When they got to the East Coast, hard winters, whatever, they had God. They're worshiping the Lord. And Puritans, by the way, very strict. Legalistic, actually, very strict. In America, some say there's four. I think there's three great awakenings in this land. And it happened generationally. When all these things had transpired, America had begun to blossom and bloom, and the blessing of the Lord was on it. They were selling stuff, transporting. The, the settlements were beginning to expand. And in about the 1730s, somewhere right in there, there was a great awakening. And they said people were stirred religiously. And a great move of God took place through all the settlements. And they said that these primarily went after people who were already churched and in church. And familiar with the word. Something happened. There was a move of the Holy Ghost. Come and drew them out. People grew in grace and knowledge. Had a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God. Remember reading that in Matthew? Seek ye first what? And his righteousness. And what will be added? All these other things. What you eating, drinking, wearing. All these things are added to you. Our land's a prime. We are a prime example of that. To the world. Say, well, now they're doing pretty good in Europe. They're, they're doing. Listen. We are the example. We're the bright spot. There's a second great awakening. It begins in a Methodist camp. This was when the Methodist could stand and, and be proud of being Methodist. Say, well, this is a long time ago. I want you to think about it. It's about 1839 in a Methodist camp, the next great awakening comes. This thing lasts for about 30 years or more. I mean, it just catches a revival. Camp meeting breaks out, if you would. And it just, a couple of decades, this thing goes. And people are being stirred religiously, spiritually. It kind of calms down. Now, when it, when it happened in the 1700s, just after that, guess what happened in 1776? 
They signed the Declaration of Independence. Huh? Great awakening, a good thing of God. Now, in 1839, great awakening, it plateaus. You know what happens? Civil War. Civil War. That's a sad place. Somebody said, we're headed for a civil war in America. I pray to God we're not. That's the last thing we need is a civil war. No, we need to come together under the umbrella of, of God and let him bless this land again. Say, so, well, he's blessing it now. Yeah, tell me, tell me. They're knocking the windows out of stores, walking in, stealing stuff. Uh, and nobody tries to stop them. It's a sad place to be. After the Great Awakening in the early 1800s, then the Civil War takes place. But after the Civil War, toward the end of the Civil War, there's another awakening. Another generation. Men that were familiar with names like Moody. There was about four or five years I read every book I could find on D.L. Moody. And I thought I was going to be like him and not be ordained. And I found out that it was hindering my work. And Moody, Moody, well he served on the battlefield taking care of wounded soldiers at certain times. It's amazing what happened. After, after Moody, after the Civil War, this thing, this awakening took off and it come through to the early 1900s with some guys named like Billy Sunday. I seen his uh, little museum they had to him at Lake Winona up in Indiana and they had a, 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 a glass jar there, a jug with sand in it and they said each grain of sand supposed to represent somebody Billy seen saved. That come to Christ and the thing's half full. That's a lot of sand. That's a lot of souls. Billy Sunday was, he was uh, uh, an advocate for illegalizing alcohol. And he had a lot to do with it. Prohibition and all that. When they cut it out for a long time, they still made it, drank it. And God blessed another generation. We went into World War I, World War II. We had the Great Depression. But after World War II, America bloomed and blossomed. But something, and there was revivals all across the land. Oval Tinch told me you was born 50 years too late, son. He said, I never was a good preacher. That's what Oval thought of himself. He said, I never was a good preacher. He said, but Mike, I'd go into a revival. We'd open up the Bible. I'd preach an expository message out of just pick a text. Matthew, John, whatever. And multitudes would be saved. He said, we'd have 10, 12, 15 people a night. Wasn't anything to see. 15 people saved in a night. I preached, I said this morning, for nearly three weeks, and I don't know that I've seen anybody saved.
Let me read you some statistics right here. This is from Pew Research, so you can, they're pretty accurate. Each new generation, growing share of, in, in each new generation, a growing share of Christians switch out before they turn 30. They say, I'm done with this. I don't want it anymore. I'm talking to my kids in here tonight. Hear me well. If you want a blessed life, you just stay on the Jesus bus. You want a blessed life? Get on the Jesus bus. If you're not on it, get on it. And stay on that bus, kids. Because it's like I asked Dusty, asked me at time. I've told it here a hundred times, but it fits right here. We're going to revival. He's about 13 years old in the front seat. His mama's in the back seat. I'm headed down the road to go preach on a Sunday morning. He looked at me and he said, Dad, what if I turn 18 and decide I don't want to go your way anymore? And I said, God, if you ever give me grace, I need wisdom and grace right now. And I drove just a little bit before I responded. Oh, that, ain't it just like God to give you what you need when you need it? I said, I'll tell you what you do, son. You look at the lives of all your friends you've gone to school with. You look at their families and how they've done. And then you look at your own family. And see how the Lord's blessed us. And then you answer me which way's best. He never said a word. I had to wait till he's grown to see what he's going to do. But when I'd call him on Wednesday night when he is living away from home in college, and I'd call him on Wednesday night, and I'd say, hey, son, where you been? He'd say, well, I've been to church, Dad. You know where I've been. <laughs> Hear me, kids. When your mom and daddy calls, when you go away to college, Bless God. And they call you on a Wednesday night and say, where you been? Be able to tell them I've been to church, Mom and Dad. Where do you think I've been? Because according to Pew Research, there's a whole generation that's switching out of faith before they turn 30 years old. They're going to go to a college and this secular college is going to tell them there is no God. The book's outdated. Your preacher's a nut job. Say, well, he may be a nut job, but the book's not outdated. Perfectly accurate. The scoffers shall say in the last day, where's the promise of his coming? Every time somebody says that, they're fulfilling prophecy. And there come a generation, I'm done. There arose another generation after them. See, we're about, they're about three generations deep right here. Possibly, if you depend on how you count it, could be four from the time they come into the land. And they don't know who God is. It's our responsibility. To teach them 
because we're not long. There are more days behind me than ahead of me. If a generation be 70 to 100 years, somewhere in that place, I pray by the, or I'm afraid by the fourth generation in America, counted 100 years. There won't be anybody that knows God. But I got good news. Never end on a sour note. Romans 11, 5. Praise God forever. There is a remnant according to the election of grace. So the devil's not going to get them all. I believe these kids that are born at this time are born for a, such a time as this. I, bl I believe the, the, the Dallas and Josiah, these that have been reared up, our kids here, some of our children being reared, these three men sitting back here behind April and, 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 and these that Mark and Angie's holding and then some of our other, our young Phipps boys right here, young men, I'm telling you, you're born for this time. Allie, you're born for this time. Listen, raise him up. We may be gone. You'll still be here. But i tell you what you can be. You can be part of the remnant, bless God. Hey, part of the remnant according to the election of grace. Don't let them talk you out of it, Lex, when you get to school. They tried every way under God's heaven to talk my boy out of it. And the more they talked, the more stern he becomes. But here's my point tonight. Now I know, I know we're post-Pentecost. And we got what they didn't have that day. We got the Holy Ghost indwelling us. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I understand that. He's the thing that gives me the right thought, the right mind. That's how I know the Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. That's how I know I'm saved by the Spirit of God. He, he's, the, he's the reason I knew I was lost. The Spirit's the reason I knew I was lost. He convicted me of my sin. He's the reason I know I'm saved, praise God. He said, hey, you're mine. I'm yours. You're in. But these were the people once they missed the miracles of God, lived past, when they got into the third generation, past the miracle, forgot all about it. They started worshiping everything under the sun. I'm glad that there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There's a multitude of them out there today. So I watched this video the other night. This guy's preaching on the street. He just out there telling about Jesus. He said, you must be born again. Jesus, you're a natural born sinner. That's what, well, that's what we are. You're a natural born sinner. Jesus came and died on the cross, lived the perfect life without sin. That, if you don't believe that, you can't be saved. I'm telling you, you've got to believe he's Christ. He died for your sin. You're a sinner. He died for your sin. He rose the third day. Praise God to justify you before God. Now you can be saved, be born again, and have hope and promise of eternal life. 
this crazy woman walks up and begins to scream out, uh, just scream. And every time the preacher would start to speak, she'd go to screaming. She said, she said, you don't belong here. He said, why don't you want to hear what I've got to say? When he asked her that question, she, she'd answer him back. But when he'd start to quote scripture, she would go ballistic. She said, I'm telling you, she's demon possessed and don't know. Finally, the police come up and run her off because she's disrupted. And the guy just standing there talking like me. Say, you must be born again. Jesus loves you. That's, she's screaming out of her head, screaming. She said, I just feel like I'm relieved when I scream when you start trying to preach. Now you think, you think that only happens somewhere else. Go to Nashville. It's another world. It's not the Nashville, Tennessee it was when I was a boy. Why are you telling us that, preacher? Because that generation's moving this way. The next generation. Hey, if you're unsaved tonight, you could be part of that. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not according to this book, if you're not born again according to this book, you'll die, be eternally separated from God in a place of eternal punishment. I'm not going there, Drew. Where are you going when you leave here? Let's stand to our feet. She's going to play a verse and chorus of song. If you need to pray, you're welcome to come. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.